This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Candace Fox, welcome back to Better Reading. Thanks so much for having me. We love having you. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) We do, because we always have so many laughs. But also, I've got so many fond memories of you in this business and Better Reading. Like, we've done so many funny things together. Oh, good. Remember we did that um, Facebook Live at the beginning of COVID? I do. And you were moving that day? Oh, probably. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds like me. I like to multitask. My first... Favorite memories when we went to dinner at your place, and you yes. had the two little dogs, and one of them yipped and scared the absolute daylight out of me on on the actual live. And people were taking it and and getting the footage and playing it back and getting my face and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's well, that was so George. Funny. He died a few years oh. back. But do you know the other one, John Brown? He's seventeen. Oh gosh, and still going strong. That's an old dog. He That's knows some dog. things. Yeah. You know some things as a dog by that age. I think there's a really lovely whiz. I mean, I see a lot of beautiful new um, puppies in the park mm. and there's John Brown at 17, but there's something very gentle and beautiful about an old dog. Yeah. 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 It's gorgeous. Anyway. <laughs> I know you love animals. I do. Um, now, let me introduce you. There might be one or two people um, in this country that don't know who you are. What have they been doing? What have they been doing? They need to get know. out more. Exactly. <laughs> Candace's first novel, Hades, won the Ned Kelly Award for the best debut in 2014 from the Australian Crime Writers Association. The sequel, Eden, won the Ned Kelly Award for best crime novel in 2015. Her subsequent novels, Fall, Crimson Lake, Redemption Point, Gone by Midnight and Gathering Dark have all been shortlisted for the award. And in 22, she won her third Ned Kelly for The Chase. Mm. Candace began collaborating with James Patterson. Their first novel together, Never Never, set in the vast Australian outback, was a huge bestseller in Australia and went straight to number one on the New York Times bestseller list in the US and also to the top of the charts in the UK. So she's here today. She has a brand new book. It's called Fire with Fire. It has been read and loved already by so many of our um, listeners. So welcome back, as I said. And I think this week, Candace, I don't know why, but this week I think I have spoken about you every single day. (laughs) It's just gearing up to have me in here. It's just, she's coming, she's coming, let's talk about it. Um, That's nice. I I have a lot of friends in the the writing community. You do. I'm a very competitive person 
this is why it, it has a, it has a dark underside. How friendly I am to everyone. I'm really really competitive, and I find that I'm not competitive with people if I like them. <laughs> and I, you know, I get to know someone and be friends with them, mm. and I'm not sitting there going, "How many did she sell?" I'm I'm sort of celebrating it. You're not like that. It comes from my upbringing. It comes from being in a massive, you know, zoo of a family and having to fight for everything. And so, and there there are so many lovely people around who I see that sparkle in their in their in their eyes that I had as a teenager, wanting to do this and see the dream realized and live this life mm. that I'm mm. living right now. And I just think, oh, can I mm. help you? And that that brings out all of my can I help you sort mm. of vibes as well. Well, the first time your name came up again recently was when Jane went to Lorraine Peck's launch mm. and Jane sent me a text that night. Mm. And said, Candace Fox showed up. Oh, that's and nice. It really just gave me goosebumps. Oh, and I thought, God, nice. she's so lovely that oh. you did that for Lorraine. Well, I mean, I I don't know. It, I've gotten to a stage where it's a big deal if I show up, and I think that that's hilarious because it, there was a stage when it when it wasn't like that and I'm still the same person and uh, and 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 people are like oh my god oh my god I, I went to something for the bad Sydney crime writers festival and I I was walking past I walked past two groups of people and I heard them going oh Candace Fox Candace Fox and I'm I'm, I'm thinking oh my god this is, you know, I've become like a big deal or something. <laughs> I have to tell you this story that I had the other day Dude. about this woman recognising me. I went to a talk and uh, I walked into the library and I met the librarian and then this woman was sort of turned around looking at me on the couch and I said, you look familiar. And she said, Candice, Candice, can I tell you a story? I said, yeah. She goes, I have been a fan of yours for the whole lot. I've read all of your books, massive fan, and I follow you online. Um, so I'm sitting at home one day, I get a knock on the door and I open the door and it's you and your daughter, Violet, and you're there and you say to me, oh, hi, um, we're just in the area. My daughter and I, we found a rabbit and we're trying to find out who it belongs to. And and fans of mine will know that it was Nigel, the rabbit, who was at my house for a few days. But she said, I was standing there and I'm looking at you and I'm going, it's Candace Fox. And I said, geez, you kept it together. She said, I barely kept it together. <laughs> it wasn't her rabbit, though. No, it wasn't. But then she said, I, and then I went upstairs and I told my daughter and she said, I said, Candace Fox was just at the door with her, with Violet. And she, and the daughter went, no, she, no, she wasn't. <laughs> You're going, you're going crazy. And she said, yeah. so can we take a picture? Oh, so funny. It's really lovely, isn't it? But do you know what I like about it too is the, you know, I mean, Trent Dalton said this, that he he reckons that people who read have empathy. And I think that that's so true. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, I yeah. do. They really feel it and they yeah. get passionate about it. Um, yeah. I've said this from way back that... Uh, People write to me about the geese in the Crimson Lake series and mm. they say, I read these books so nervously mm. about those geese. And, and people have written me threatening letters saying, if anything ever happens to those <laughs> geese, I will never read you again. Mm. And I'm like, they're fictional geese. It's mm. okay, everyone, mm. calm mm. down. But they're just, they're feeling it. Yeah, they do. They feel it. Mm. And you know what I think they do? They're very generous with it. Like I, I, we, I was just telling you now that, you know, um, <clears throat> just before, 
before we started recording, that Fire with Fire is getting so many fantastic reviews or comments even just on our Facebook page. This is a great read, great book, great read. One, how long's it been out? Because they get onto it so quickly. Oh, I think we're into week three, week three. They do get onto it quickly. Some of them, you know, they write to me, you spend six months, I write them in six months, six months writing it and, and then it's sort of six months to nine months lead up before it comes out. And so you've had this book in your life for a year and, and probably before I start writing a book, I've thought about it for another, you know, three mm. or four months. And so people say to me, oh, I read it in 12 hours, you know, I didn't even eat. And you go, well, <laughs> thanks. But, and they say, well, when's the next one? Yeah. And I go, well, it won't be 12 hours from now. You're going to have to wait. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that. Isn't that... that that's fantastic when you're yeah. waiting and waiting and then the book comes out and then you've read it you're like, oh, what And you now? just go, whoosh. Yeah. And, and some of them are uh, sort of saying to me, I knew my friends were going to read it too, so I didn't want spoilers. Yeah. Particularly yeah. with novels like this, you want a few twists in there. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, your last novel, what was that called? Um, the Chase. The Chase. Um, I saw you on social media wearing prison outfits? Yeah, was that right? I did. <laughs> I put on Tell me I about went that. and I You're mad. Because you they that. said to me, they said, do you have any interesting ideas about promo? And I said, how about this? How about I hire like a prison outfit and I go running around Sydney and I get fans to come and crash tackle me and if you catch me, you know, I'll be on the run. If you catch me, then you get a free book. And they were like, Candace, the insurance problems <laughs> are already turning my hair white. And I said, well, I'll do it on my own back. You don't need to insure me. That They were yeah. like, as long as you know that we don't endorse this. I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and so I just ran out there. But I met, the, I met the loveliest people, this lovely gentleman. I can't remember... I can't remember the suburb, but it was towards the end. He he was so gentle and sweet and he kind of came up and he said, I've caught you, Candace. Can I have the book? And I said, no, no, we're going to get, no, that's no. not enough. And I said, all right, you, we're going to get on the floor and you're going to make like you're arresting me. I've got handcuffs and all this. And he was just so, he went beetroot red and he was just like, oh, he was having so much fun, but I really had to walk him into it. Yeah, so for this one, they said, have you got any crazy ideas. And I said, I could hire a stunt person to teach me how to light myself on fire, you know, in those fire suits. (laughs) And they just, I sent the email off and then there was just this silence. There was this radio silence. And my publicist said that she just walked into (laughs) her publicist's office and said, in her publisher's office and said, did you see the email from Candace? And they were like, she's not serious, is she? And I was like, I am serious. I am serious. (laughs) I tried to track down a stunt person person who would help me do it, but no one was willing. No. Um, so no. they did the hot chili challenge. You saw that, didn't you? No, I don't think I did. Oh, Tell me about they, it. Um, they said, can you, can you come in and try some really spicy foods mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, fil- we'll try to interview you at the same time. And That's very we'll film- funny. Yeah, it was good though. But I thought to myself, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to go extreme the way that I, and it's true they hadn't gone extreme they the 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 spiciest thing they'd brought was like 
this ultra spicy ramen noodles or something. I was like, I'm going to eat a teaspoon of wasabi. I'm going to get hellfire peppers from South America. And I brought all this stuff in. Do you you ever watch that um, show? It's on YouTube where they get uh, celebrities to eat chicken wings that are Mm. hot. Have you? Chicken wings? Yeah. No. Oh, it's good. I'll send you the link. Um, Hey, I like the idea of that video. Can we have it? Yeah. Can we post it on Facebook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, All right. All our listeners will be doing that. Hey, I want to go back to, you know, you're talking about that it takes six months to write a book. Mm. What does your writing day look like? It's it's always different. Um, So people who know about me probably know already that I I grew up in this crazy household. My mum had four kids and then she adopted two kids and then she fostered 155 kids as I was growing up. And then before I could become a writer, I did every job that you can imagine. I Mm. worked in a tattoo shop. I worked Mm. in bars and restaurants and I taught kids to swim. And so I never have had a legitimate space for my writing. I've mm. never felt that it was, uh, that I, I've never allowed myself to say, all right, you start at nine and you will not be interrupted. You will not take any, let anything mm. take you away from that writing until 5 p.m. I've never mm. been like that. Mm. So when I was a kid, I had about 20 minutes when I got home from school to write before all of the chaos of the evening wind down for the children. And during jobs, I, I when I taught kids to swim, I used to sit on my break in the change rooms and write. And mm. um, I used to write at the front desk of the tattoo shop mm. waiting for clients to come in. So it's the same now. You know, Violet goes to preschool and Violet goes to the in-laws um, two days a week. And so I write during that time. Um, but sometimes... And you write at a desk or do you write at the kitchen table oh, or do you I have do. a proper space? I, I'm, I'm a big cafe writer though. Oh, I love wow. okay. to be out and looking at people, yeah. talking to people, allowing myself mm. to get distracted. But I am a two-finger typist. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Um, they call that a hunt and peck uh, typist. And I have a really bad posture when I type. So sitting at, at cafes working on the laptop is not good for me. So I'm trying to be at home at the desk. It's all ergonomic. I'm trying Mm. to learn how to touch type. Mm. I've got 20 years worth of this to Mm. to undo, trying Mm. to learn how to touch type. And, uh, yes, I'm trying to do it more in the office. But then, of course... I'm deep in animal rescue at the moment, so mm, mm. I'll get a notification on my phone saying a brush tail possum needs to be wrestled out of a chimney two mm. suburbs over, and I'm like, slam, like, I'm going, I'm getting there, because I, I mm. love that stuff. Is there a lot of rescue in urban environments? There Animal- is, there yeah. honestly is. You could do it all day, every day, and Violet, who's three and a half, we... We go out together. It's our thing we Mm. do together. But I also do it alone. But um, we have had such amazing adventures. Mm. Like, um, you know, there was a tawny frog mouth a week ago. It was on um, a a golf green. And we got there and the lady said, here you go, you can take the golf cart. And I was like, oh, let's take the golf cart. And she was like, yes. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. Her mother, the adventurer. Oh, I got to tell you about this um, rescue that I did at, uh, it was at Lidcombe um, Public School. Oh, wow. And they said to me, there's a possum here and basically no one is willing to touch it. It's in an auto bin. And I was oh, like, okay, no. all right. So I got there. How did it get into an auto oh, bin? It was probably no in idea. there and then somebody 
close the lid. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I got there and I opened the bin and <gasps> I look in and there's this teenage possum, brushed out possum. How do you so know it's teenage? It wasn't like a smally one, but it yeah. wasn't a very big Full one. Size. It was just, right. just the size of it. Mm. And it was sitting in about three inches of bin juice. And he was just like, he looked up at me like, mm. help. No. And yeah. I was like, oh, honey, I'm going to get you out of there. So I threw the bin over and I grabbed it out and I'm just holding it in my hand, like in one hand. And the, the principal was like, dear God, that thing stinks. And I said, yeah, let's, let, I need it. to wash it off. Yeah. He goes, okay. So he took me to the disabled toilets and I'm in there and this thing's trying to get out of my hand. And they bite. Don't touch Don't me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do bite. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I was like, buddy, buddy, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. I put warm water on and then I was just washing this possum. And then after a couple of minutes of this nice warm bath, he was like, you know what? This is not so bad. Yeah, I'll And he was just there. <laughs> the best part is I'm there washing the possum in the sink. And because I wasn't having a wee or anything, I didn't lock the door. So they were having building done at the school. So this builder opens the door <laughs> and he looks at me and he's so like. what are you doing? He, just, he had no idea how to begin to ask me what I was doing. And no. so he just said, oh. And I had no, I couldn't begin to explain what I was doing. So I just said, oh. And then we just looked at each other and he just shut the door. <laughs> I was like, if I had thought at the time, I should have said something like, I just got to do the conditioner and then I just got to let his tint sit. Or and where like do you that. let go an animal like that? So what do you do? Well, see, the thing is, I'm only the grabber. Um, oh, so okay. my job is to get the animal out of the predicament that it is in mm-hmm. and get it to the vet. That's as far as it goes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So we had a bandicoot the other day and I went and I nabbed that and um, just took it to the vet and then the vet checked it out and I said, yeah, just there's nothing wrong with it. It just got yep. confused and ended up in this guy's garage. And so they have a marsupial expert who comes and... And places it back yeah, in the Yeah, yeah, places it back in the... Because there's things like um, possums and night jars and owls, for example, you've got to release them at night because uh, right. they can't see otherwise during the day. day yeah, right, yeah, 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 things like that. So I don't know if I ever told you this story, but when I bought my apartment, the one I'm in now, it's in the park because yeah, yeah. I moved from that house yeah, yeah. but only 300 metres away. Yeah. And I was having a look at it with the real estate agent who was this young kind of um, Chinese-Australian guy and who had, you know, no tolerance for wildlife. Mm. And um, anyway, I said, oh, can I see all the apartments? And... It, and it really is. The block yeah, is in the park. Yeah. And we came to one apartment and there was a kookaburra in distress, oh, a yeah. baby kookaburra. Oh, I know. And he couldn't, he couldn't get out of this. Yeah. The mother was there on the tree watching in. Yeah. But he was stuck in this glass and kept trying to get through oh. the glass. Anyway, <clears throat> I said to this guy, I said, oh, no, no, we can't leave. You know, it was a vacant apartment. It wasn't my apartment. I shouldn't have been in there. Yeah. And um, he's like, no, no, it's just a bird. It'll be fine. I said, no, no. It's no, not no. just a bird, yeah. it's a kookaburra. Yeah. Anyway, in the end, this poor guy was on four legs, <laughs> on all fours, because yeah. I said to him, you can't touch it. I'd given him my top. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I wasn't doing it, but he was doing it. Yeah. And he had this top and he had it, uh, it was like a sloppy joe and he had it all over his, his hands so oh. that his hands, because I'd always yeah. thought that you shouldn't touch birds. That's a myth, actually. Is Everyone it is. thinks that. Yeah. yeah. You're thinking of um, mammals because... Um, 
Birds don't have a very good sense of smell because they don't oh, there need you go. it. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. So this guy goes at all fours. He's got the sloppy joe around his oh. hands, and he gets there and he gets the kookaburra. And I said to him, "Now listen, you've got to pick it up and you've got to slowly put on the ledge because I don't know if." So I'm walking you right through. <laughs> you walked him through it, <laughs> and then I he love puts that. the baby kookaburra on the ledge, grabs yeah, the ledge, yeah, and yeah. He, and then the mother comes over straight away, oh. and then they fly off together. Oh, that's such a beautiful story. I know. And I said to him, see, see. Yeah. He's like, it's just a bird. It's just a bird. <laughs> People are scared of them. is some not them, just a bird. Yeah, some of them you should be scared of. Like, cookers? Um, no, no. Yeah, I have I found cookers. kookaburras to be, and kookaburras and tawny frogmouths are mm. the easiest rescues mm. ever. You just pick them up like a toy. Mm. But uh, par- it's parrots. All parrots, they get angry. Right. They're like, don't touch me. <laughs> I'll kill you. Yeah. It's like, I'm trying to help you. Yeah. And they bite and, oh, no, no, no. No, parrots is, are, are terrible to rescue, but um, birds of prey, I find, are. Mm. They're just, they're smart. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I had this raven the other day and he knew he wasn't well. He was following <laughs> this woman around like a dog, sort of going, help me, help me, help me. And she's called wise and gone... I I don't know what to do. And so I just went there and I picked him up and I looked right at him and I said, you need help. And he he sort of looked at me like, I know. (laughs) And you took him to the vet? Yeah, I just took him to the vet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Okay. All right. Let's move on from animals because we we could talk about that for another hour. Hours. Mm, mm. I want to go back to uh, writing and I want you, because I don't know if I've heard this story of how you met James Patterson and how you became a co-writer. Yeah, well, um, I didn't necessarily know that he was looking for a co-writer and at that time I'd written three novels and they'd done pretty well. Very Uh, well. Yeah, I was writing my fourth one, so I was halfway through Crimson Lake Mm. and I just got invited to this party that he was hosting in the Museum of Contemporary Art. So he was promoting Private Sydney, uh, which was with another collaborator. And um, so I thought he's already got an Aussie collaborator and... You know, um, but I did say to my publisher and my agents, I was like, "How does a person get to collaborate with him? Because I'm a huge fan and I have been since I was a kid." Blah blah blah, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, all right, all right, mm. try to settle down a bit." And uh, and so I just went to the party, and I have absolutely no tact whatsoever. I'm mm. not demure at all. So um, 
he walked in and I was like, there he is. I'm going to go talk to him. And I just powered over there because I thought he's, he's, he had his big entourage and I thought he's going to do one lap of the room and go out. That's the mm. classy thing mm. to do. He's not going to be one of the last people here at the end of the night. And so I thought if I want to have this fangirl moment, I'm going to have to go over there and do it now. And um, so I did. I went over there and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, oh, my God, James Patterson, I'm a big fan of yours and I have been since I was a little kid. I read Kiss the Girls when I was 12 and um, totally changed my life. And he was like, wow, that's really inappropriate. What what was your mum doing when you were reading Kiss the Girls at 12 years old? And I was like, mate, don't even get me started about that woman. Uh, And so so we just had a little chit-chat, chit-chat. But then my publisher saw us from, because everyone was like, Candace is talking to him, what is she doing, you know? And my publisher was like, geez, they're getting on well, aren't they? Because I was making them laugh and that kind of thing. And, uh, and yeah, and so she put a copy of Hades into um, like a pack for him to take home. She was like, look, these are all our crime writers, here you go. And he read uh, Hades on the plane home to Florida and then he called up and was like, would she want to write with me? Um, and I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I spoke to um, Nikki French the other day. So, oh, you know, there's yeah, two yeah, people. Yeah, sure. Did she yeah. say anything about because we had such a great t- time together, Nikki and French, uh, Nikki and Sean and I, when yes. they came out? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still, I still don't understand how two people can write the one book. I mean, they explained yeah. it to me. Yeah. But it is, it's mind boggling in terms of style. In terms of, because when I talk to authors, and you know Mm. this, you know, they all say it's in my head, it's swirling in my head for such a long time and then it comes out, right? And then I have to write it. But when there's two people, what's swirling around in the head? I know. And Nikki French in particular, they were, Nikki and Sean are just the loveliest couple. Mm. I interviewed them and I was like, tell me about the fights, tell me about the arguments, Mm. tell me about Mm. you wanted this and he wanted that. And they were like, oh no, everything's lovely, everything's lovely. They were really zen, weren't they? Yeah yeah, 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 really zen. Um, so it's not the same with Jim and I. We um, we do argy bargy every now and then, yeah. and he's always telling me to chill out a bit, like because right. his readers. He said the bulk of my readers in the US are college educated women who are sort of 40 to 80 like and I know what they like and what they don't like they don't mm. like swearing they don't like tattoos they don't like piercings they don't like gratuitous you know this mm. and that um so and, and sometimes I'm all about that I'm like ah really mm. weird he's always like turn down the weird mm. um but I'm uh and so so yeah uh we have different and the style the style is his style because I think that one of the things that people love about James Patterson and why they get devoted to him is because the style is always the same. It's short chapters, mm-hmm. the action, terms, yeah, yeah, the moves really fast. You've got to look at a chapter. Mm. I always, when I'm writing with him, I look at the chapter that I've written and I say to myself, well, what happened in that scene? Mm. And if you say, oh, you know, if you say to yourself, well, two people came to a cafe and they had a conversation and then you say, well, why is that scene 2,000 words? It's it's too heavy. You've mm. got to shave it back. Mm. You know, but if I look at a scene and I go, well, 
you know, two people came into a restaurant and there was a gunfight and one of them got away. Yeah, like, okay, that deserves mm. to be 2,000 words. Mm. And mm. you get a sense of the mm. the numbers. And the... So do you outline the plot with him? Is that how it works? Do you pitch an idea or does he pitch an idea? Or it's how... different um, every time. Uh, so Never Never, the Never Never series, for example, we wrote Never Never together. That was our first novel together and we were getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. So it was brick mm-hmm. by brick. It was like, mm-hmm. do you want the protagonist to mm-hmm. be a lady or a man? Mm-hmm. You know, and then what kind of crimes are you thinking? And he wanted something sort of outbacky because he'd already done Sydney mm-hmm. um, in Australia. And I was like, okay, we've got to contain the suspect somehow. And I had just seen a documentary about people who find a killer in their family. And so mm. I remember I was on the phone and I was like, I watched this amazing documentary and you should watch it too. And 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 he was like, oh, what about brother, sister? Oh, what about this? So that happened for that novel. Mm. Um, but, for example, with The Inn, he had written that entire outline already. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I got Jump this. Jump on. Yeah. He said, I got this pet project. I've been waiting around for the right person. I think it's you. Do you want to mm. take a look? And I was mm. like, okay. Mm. So you've done two books together with him now? We've done like nine. Nine? Well, we did... (laughs) Wow. Yeah, we did the Never Never series. Yes. We did The Inn. Right. uh, Two Sisters Detective Agency. Wow. And then there are two in the pipe already. So you're not... You're writing one of your own books every six months, but you're writing all you have. One with him. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. So I do one of mine and one of his. One One of mine, one with his. Yeah, wow. Like that. Yeah. Um, And do you find that switching from like a dual tone to a single tone? Do you find that works for you? I do. It. um, When I work with Jim, we sort of, we do those huge outlines which um, he loves a big outline mm-hmm. where everything is all planned out and there's going to be no mm-hmm. surprises. And I go, yep, yep, it's all locked in. This is what we're going to do. And then three quarters of the way through, I start going, ah, what about this? <laughs> you know, and he, say, he, always, he says, you always do this. We have, pl-, uh, I say, that's just plan A. Yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. and then I'll kill this person and then I'll do this. Then ah. <laughs> she was in on it the whole time. And he's like, oh, you always do this. And so then... I've done that. We've been working on it. We we like to get 5,000 words at a time locked in and approved and then we move on. So when I get to my own work, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and I can all just right. pause out yeah. and I can write in a non-linear fashion if I want to and I can change, switch things up without consulting anybody and I can put down 3,000 words in a day and, mm. you know, like mm. it's just all, it's all different. Did you remind me, and I'm sure we've spoken about this before, your very first path to publication, to publishing the first book, did you ever do a writing course? How did that come about? Oh, yeah, I did. The first writing course I ever did in my whole life, I was 16 years old and I said to mum, guess what, I'm pretty unpopular at high school. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! Um, Don't know if you've noticed, Um, but I want to leave high school in year 10 and Mm -hmm. become a famous author. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, I think you're missing a few steps there. Mm. she said, no, you're going to stay, you're going to do the HSC. If you like words that much, you can be an English teacher or a journalist. And so I went into the Navy for a couple of years for some reason. No one's ever worked out. And then I came back and I went to university and I trained as a high school teacher. So 
even then, even during my degree for high school teaching at my university, the University of the Sunshine Coast, all of your literary subjects for being an English teacher were creative writing subjects. Mm. So I was like, yes, mm. I'm, I'm getting to study mm. my love and my passion while pursuing a quote unquote real job. Mm. Um, so I studied at university and then I um, begged my way into an honours degree in creative writing because I hadn't done creative writing, the degree mm-hmm. I'd done the um, high school teaching. And then by that time I was so passionate and I was so angry at, you know, sort of rejection. I, I had accumulated over 200 rejection letters. I had four failed manuscripts. I, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get into publishing. I'm going to find mm. a back door in. Mm. And so I, I did my master's in writing, editing and publishing at UQ. And then at that time, I was still submitting and everything, but I had never really pursued an agent. Mm. Um, and I had one yes, and it was from a guy who was writing. He was a, an a independent publisher, so just a guy behind mm. his desk mm-hmm. taking manuscripts and printing mm. them and trying to sell them. In the Isle of Man, I had to Google where that was. I was like, where mm. the hell is the Isle mm. of Man? Oh, great, it's on the other side of the planet. Mm-hmm. The only person who has ever said yes to me in my entire life is on the other side of the planet on this tiny little cookie crumb island hanging off the side of England. Mm. I was like, oh, you know, so he had Hades for 18 months and then he ran out of money. He said, I can't publish you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I was pretty down and out. When I got that news, I was absolutely down and out in my life. My Mm. marriage had fallen apart Mm. spectacularly without me seeing it coming at all. Um, And then so I moved out of home with that guy. All my stuff was in garbage bags. And how old were you? My cat ran away. Uh, I was 26. Yeah, wow. So, and I'm living with my mum, you know, and in her crazy house full of rescued stuff. And I was watching Swamp People on TV with her every night and drinking $2.49 Aldi wine, Mm -hmm. which is not bad wine, actually. I took up my PhD at the University of Notre Dame on Broadway and I thought, you know, I'll be an academic, I'll be an academic, Mm. I suppose. And then I said to my supervisor, do you happen to know any agents? Because I have this novel that no one wants. (laughs) She said, I know someone who I went to university with who ended up being an agent and she's not going to do you any favours though because you know me. Mm. And that's what I I, I emailed Gabby Nayard, Left left Bank Literary, and she said, I'm not going to do you any favours just Mm. because you know Camilla. And also I have Peter Corris on my list. I already have a crime writer and crime... In crime fiction in this country is really hard to get. Female f- crime fiction back yeah. then was really hard. Yeah. All of it was. It was it, like, a lot of it came out of the US and the UK. Yeah. yeah. At, at that time, there was Michael Robotham and yeah. Gary Disher yeah. and Peter Temple mm. and Peter Corris, and that was about it, really. Mm. So, Helen Greenwood, maybe. Yeah. You know, I and, mean, it was really small. Yeah. And then she said, um, I remember the line in the email said, it would have to knock my socks off. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, here's hope and here it mm. is. I hope, mm. you, I hope it knocks your socks when off. When you look back, like you're looking at your writing now to the 200 or the 300 rejections or however many there were, do you think, yeah, 
they should have, you know, like yeah. I didn't have the experience then that I have now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were also in another genre. I was writing um, Vampires and Werewolves, mm, mm. which is very hard. Mm. I say that now, but now there'll be, I'll kick mm. off a science fiction, <laughs> bloody yeah. fantasy explosion in Australia. There was um, a time, there was a time where, well, what was that one that Tom Cruise did the film? No mm. oh, interview with the vampire. Interview with yeah. yes. I was a huge Anne Rice, Anne Rice fan yes. as a teenager, yes. and that's early influences yeah, on yeah. my writing definitely came. Yeah. And even if you read Hades, you can see that Eden and Eric, the two of the villains, are very vampy. Yeah, um, yeah. and they have almost supernatural intuition and mm. stuff like that. So I still had the leanings. Um, but yeah, uh, so Hades, yeah, it, it, it uh, so she had a, a deal 10 days later. Yeah, wow. And I have but been... But you'd, you'd worked hard though. It yeah. was, wasn't a fluke by then. Yeah, no. you put I, a lot of hard yards in. Yeah, I, yeah. I really, um, I took criticism and yeah. that is something that I see a lot. People are not willing to sit there and go, well, what is it about me and my writing that I must change in order mm. to become successful? They get very bitter and they say, oh, you got to know someone mm. or, oh, you got to be on trend or you got to be, you know, young and good looking and all this kind of stuff. You, you, and you, you sort of think, no, no, it, like you got to look at your own writing and say, why didn't this grab them? Mm. And mm. we're getting to a time, I'm really passionate about this, we're getting to a time in reading in which you have less and less allowance to impress people mm. because we're in that that epic well, choice. There's so much choice. Sure, that's yeah. right. You sure, watch Netflix. Yeah. yeah. You watch Netflix and you're like, I'll give this 10 minutes because yeah. I know when I click away from this, mm. I have There'll access to else. 4 million other TV shows. And yeah. it's the same with books. You have one line mm. or one paragraph mm. to impress them to because them. they can get a free look at that first paragraph on, on Amazon mm. and, and on Google. Mm. So they're not going to hang in with you until page 70 when mm. it gets good people mm. say oh it gets really good in the third act and you go no 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 no, no. <laughs> no it's yeah. gonna hang in with you yeah. anymore yeah no get me now yeah. yeah and that doesn't mean that every book has to start with an explosion or something like that but i i say to people in that first paragraph you have to give me someone who I care about in a situation which is like a bit of a pickle, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, I, I, and, I, and I'm worried about them and I'm worried what's next yeah. and I want to know what's next, yeah. you know. I see um, manuscripts every now and then and the opening scene is someone's alarm clock goes off and they roll out of bed <laughs> and they go downstairs and make themselves breakfast. Yeah. It's like if I wanted to watch a man roll out of bed and go and make himself breakfast, I'd watch my husband. He does yeah. it every single day. <laughs> I'm right. not here for that. No. I want to see people in I real want to see action. drama yeah. and crisis yeah. and mm. something. Get mm. me get me out of my world and into mm. whatever it is. Now, we're a little bit over time, but I do want oh. to ask you one more question. <laughs> this is our last. Mm-hmm. I want to know how it has having a child, has that changed your storytelling? Yeah, it has, definitely. Yeah. It has. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Tell me how. Oh, it's just... 
oh, it's changed it in so many different ways. I I do have children missing and that kind of thing in novels, um, but I have I haven't. I don't think I've killed any kids mm. <laughs> in a book lately. People say to me, why did you write this hostage novel, Fire with Fire? And it's because every single day at five p.m. I'm held hostage in my own home by my three and a half year old, and it's mm. like nobody make any sudden moves. Just give her what she wants, or she's gonna <laughs> blow. You know, and just I have someone in my life who every time they open their mouth, I have no idea what they're going to say. And that just makes you so, it just refreshes your Mm. view of the world. Like Mm. everything is an opportunity for an adventure. Mm. Because they're open to anything, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, and and anything could happen and her imagination is wild. And um, my love for her is... It encompasses the brightest and most beautiful thing that you could ever imagine. And, you know, we go to bed at night and and she says, I love you all the way up to the moon. And the other night she said, I love you all the way to England. I said, England? That's That's a a hell of a ways. (laughs) Thanks, babe. So she's got away with words like her mother. Yeah, but it's also like the darkest kind of, I think, oh, you know, if anything ever happened to her. And that's where it comes into Mm. my work with the novels. If anything Mm. ever threatened her Mm. or happened to her, what would I do? Mm. I'd go fully John Wick on everyone. Mm. Like I know that I would. (laughs) Just the love, the intensity of the love, there's nothing like it. Candice. Always lovely to chat. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape imagine, grow and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.